Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Heavenly Father, we come into your throne room this morning and we are so thankful for the completed work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Father, we thank you that you have given us both in, in your word and in, in speeches and in, in sermons and all kinds of things, Father. You speak to us every single day. Let us be mindful of that and let us have ears to hear. Now, Father, I'd ask that you would anoint our time together. Let me only say the words you want me to say. And let it be received in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, I don't know how many of you were ever raised in the Catholic Church or are familiar with it, but um, they have a lot of prayers that they recite and a lot of things that they do. And uh, I was raised in a Baptist church, and so I always thought that was kind of, you know, funny that they had all those sayings until we started studying Jewish roots, our Jewish roots, where we came from. And they have a lot of prayers that they say all the time too. I didn't realize how many prayers until one time we had a lady that was coming to speak to our singles group, by the way. And uh, she came in and she uh, used the restroom and she came out and she bowed her head. And I'm thinking, oh, bless her heart. She's praying before she goes in to speak. And uh, then she walked in and she said, "Uh, in case you're wondering, that's the prayer that we recite after we use the restroom. I'm thinking, huh. Then I gave her a bottle of water. And, of course, it was not open because to be kosher, she needs to open it. And I handed her the bottle of water, and she bowed her head. And I'm thinking, wow, she prays when she drinks water, too. (laughs) And then I started observing her behavior, and it seemed to me like she prayed with almost every daily activity that we do on a daily basis. And I thought, that seems awfully cumbersome, because I had not realized really what the Shema means. Now, the Shema is the prayer that we pray every morning when we wake up. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. He is one. He is one. And I didn't realize that we're supposed to say that in the morning, and we're also supposed to say it in the evening. Because I've been studying some Jewish things. I know. I didn't know that either. Uh, Studying some Jewish things. And that last part of the Shema, He is one, that's kind of why we have so many prayers. Now, we live in a world where we see things. And that's kind of the world that we respond to. It's a vision. It's an input. It's an impulse. And because we're human, we kind of respond to those circumstances and those things. God is a spirit. We know that. But God also is living in a different realm. And that different realm means that in order for us to be one with God then we have to also live in that spirit realm. Now, theologically, that makes total sense for most all churches, except if you study the root words and the meaning of he is one for that morning prayer, the Shema, when it says one, I always interpreted that to mean, yeah, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a mystery. The three of them are one. But it goes deeper than that in the, in the Jewish language. He is one is us two. He's pulling us out of what we see and putting us into the spirit realm where he lives. Now, that's a hard thing for us to do because we live by sight. So that's why God put into place all of those prayers. So, I mean, I I thought I was being 
you know, a gold star girl to wake up in the morning. And before I got up to say the Shema and thank the Lord for waking me up. And, you know, as I'm tattling my way to the kitchen to make a cup of coffee, I've, you know, say another prayer about thanks for good night's sleep. Thanks for waking me up, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's how I'm supposed to be connecting to him as one all the time. Now that seems kind of cumbersome, but I decided, okay, God revealed this to me. So now I'm responsible So I will at least try it this morning. As long as I'm by myself, I can do it. But as soon as I start interacting with either my dog or my husband, then that kind of takes me away from that spirit part and puts me in the real world. So that let me know I've got a lot to work on before I can ever have one foot in the spirit realm and one foot in the physical realm so that I can be one with God. Now, am I saved? Absolutely. Do I love him? Absolutely. Do I serve him as best as I possibly can? Is he going to take care of me? Absolutely. But don't we want more? And not only do we want more, I think at this time in history, it's going to be paramount for us to survive. It's kind of like growing up, I would just hop in the car and my dad or my mom would drive and I didn't pay any attention to the gas or the car or anything. It was always clean and we always arrived safe. I just hopped in the car and drove along. But then when I learned to drive, I realized that there were a lot of things that I had to adjust before I ever got out on the road. And I kind of think as believers, that's kind of how we need to look at life as well. We need to have a few things that we adjust. One of those when we put on the armor of God, at least for me, I'll just confess my own, probably not for you. Uh, when he, Jesus bled on, uh, from a broken heart and healed our emotions, that's one of the things that I have to cover with the Holy spirit so that I don't overreact to things. Um, those of you who know me well, you know that I'm a doer. I'm a, I'm a busy person. I get things done. I like having things to do. One of the hardest things for me to do is to sit down and relax. Honey, relax. That's my husband. Honey relaxes very easily. Doesn't take much at all for him to sit down and relax. I'm going to grab a cough drop. I'm fine. Just takes a cough drop. I know it's in here. I have a water. Water doesn't always work. Okay, hopefully those of you that were listening to the replay stayed with me long enough for me to get back. Actually, this throat thing, um, God is healing me, but when, when I had my open heart surgery and they did the heart cap, they put a camera down my throat and it got stuck and I couldn't get it all the way down or get it up, and so they knocked me out and pulled it out, and that created scar tissue. So ever since then, I've had to be real careful about um, how large a pill I choose to swallow. And I have to chew my food really well. And every once in a while when I'm talking fast and I breathe in, it hits that and then I start coughing. So, But I know to have a hanky and to have a, something to sweet to hang on to. So now let's get back to living, living as one. So we're in this world and we respond to things that we see. But we need to somehow keep one foot in the spirit realm and then one foot in the real world. 
Now, what's our job while we're here on earth, by the way? Number one is to glorify God, and number two is to share the good news. It's much easier for me to point out somebody's faults. I know no one in this room has that issue. But that's not the good news. So I have to be very careful to remember God did not point out all of my faults at the same time when I came to him and accepted him as my Lord and Savior. He peeled them off one at a time so that I wouldn't choke and fall over dead. Because the big sins that I thought were so important to confess and get rid of weren't as important to him as some of the little sins that were affecting how I saw life and what I did. So that's kind of where I'm headed right now. If you um, see me stopping and taking a deep breath, you'll know that I'm readjusting my attitude, and that's my commitment to all of you in the room today. Okay. Now, the Catholic Church has all these prayers, and one of them um, is Hail Hail Mary, full of grace. I think it goes, pray for us sinners now in the hour of our death. Amen. So if we look up the scripture, and let's see, who's got their Bible with them this morning? If you go to... Um, Luke one twenty seven for me. Luke one twenty seven, And the more translations we have, the better. So, Deb, what, what translation do you have? Okay, and I did. That works for me. <clears throat> Luke one twenty seven, And then she's going to read it. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Keep going. Next, next verse. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord with you. Okay, we're going to stop right there. So how many sentences? Greetings, you that are highly favored. What was the third statement? There were three. Okay. Three statements. Now, we read that, and somehow we camp over in the world that we see because it's like that must be what the angel said. But remember how Pastor Larry teaches that if um, someone were writing a book about him in today's society, well, when he was growing up, they would talk about him as his riding a hog, and we would know what that means. But then they might not know that that means a Harley, and so they might ride pigs thinking that was following. Well, this is the vocabulary that was going on back in those days. But really, when the angel came, just like when God talks to us, it was in a, a way that she understood and accustomed. It was like, Mary, don't be afraid. You're, you're, you're fine. Because don't you suppose if she saw an angel, her first thought was, what the heck? So he was saying, you're highly favored. Don't be afraid. Hi, Mary. A very gentle conversation. Not the stiff, religious, hairy male, hail Mary, full of grace. Pray for his sinners now in the hour of our death. Those are rituals that we say. The angel more than likely talked to her very, very gently, which brings me to how we walk through the world. As human beings, when we see something, we kind of want to camp around it. That's why Jesus never healed the same way twice, because he knew we'd make a theology out of it, and, and then we would be worshiping the theology and not him. And so if we're going to live in one with God, then we have to realize that he's talking to us today in our language, our ways. He's telling us things that are important to our life, things that he wants us to do, wants us to know right now. And that means we can't camp 
on on the side of just regurgitating prayers that we have learned, just saying the same things over and over and over. We've got to somehow pull that that mysterious Holy Spirit Godhead into things that we do so that we have the ability to hear and the ability to respond appropriately, to bring good news to people rather than pointing out their faults. The other thing about healing emotions is that oftentimes we have wounds in our, in our heart because of things that have happened in our life. And Satan tries to convince us that that's who we are, that we're either afraid because of what happened or we are having trouble learning because of what happened or whatever it is that, that is a circumstance here. Satan tries to convince us that that's who we are. And because he talks to us in our own voice, he's pretty good at, at convincing us of that. He's pretty good at having us hang on to the things that we think are us. Because emotionally, we feel like if we let go of the things that we think are us, we're going to die. But what does God's word say? It talks about us dying to self. Now, again, we read that and just kind of gloss right over it and think, you know, well, yeah, that, that means I no longer do all those things that I used to want to do. I kind of clean up my act. It's, it's more than that. It's saying, okay, I'm going to submit my spirit person. I'm going to submit my thinking, my talking, my reacting to the Holy Spirit. And I will do and say what he tells me to do and say. That takes more than just responding by what we see. That takes responding by all the word of God. Now, I have been absolutely fascinated with Pastor Troy coming into the church. Um. I don't get credit, but I found him. <laughs> he met Pastor Larry, what, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, he was with Bishop T.D. Jakes, and Pastor and Tiz came to Texas. And uh, Troy at that time was a very successful businessman, and he was the driver that was driving around Pastor and Tiz for that conference. And Pastor prophesied over Pastor Troy, uh, said he was going to be in ministry. Pastor Troy confesses that he heard that, and he went, well, he's a false prophet because I'm a good businessman. I'm not going into ministry. And then he followed Pastor Larry, and because he liked his message, whenever he would travel and would be in Portland, Oregon, he would come to our church in Portland. So I met him at a David Barton event, and um, interesting to me, I didn't understand this about myself, when I'm not in my church world here at New Beginnings, and I meet somebody, I talk about, you know, God healing me of cancer, because that's my testimony, and it's something that I can share, good news. So I blabbed all of that to him before he ever, you know, we figured out that I worked for Pastor Larry and he knew Pastor Larry. So we had quite a, a good exchange and a conversation. And then it's like, oh my gosh, you know him. Well, come to church. So I took Pastor Troy's picture and I sent it to Pastor Larry just to make sure that Pastor Larry did in fact know who this guy was. And he said, yeah, yeah. So Pastor Troy snuck in the back, which is kind of his way. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't sit back there. You, you come, you come up front. So he came, obviously he had uh, a call to be in this ministry to talk about the biblical citizenship that he's been sharing, and he's been a, a great resource. So I, I'm very, very fond of him and glad that he's here. But he always talks about how you have to read the Bible to have the Bible in you so that you can respond. I mean, that's kind of his main thing. Now, I go through and I, you know, read. I have a certain thing that I read and so forth. But it's like, okay, I need to really start reading, not just the words on the page so that I can get through that chapter, but really chewing on it to say, okay, I need to have this in me so when I need it, it's going to be there. Because that's how we become 
breathing again. That's how we become one with God, knowing his word, knowing what it means, and owning it so that when a circumstance comes up, then we know how to respond. Now, my notes are over here. We're now on page two. We have a value system because of what we have learned here at New Beginnings Church. Um, It's a biblical value system. And sometimes, especially in today's society, that comes in clash with people that we run into. They don't have the same value system. Now, in the flesh, I'm going to have be over here, be the flesh. In the flesh, we're going to respond with what we see because that's the world that we live in. But that's not exactly what God has in mind. When he talks about we are one, it's like, okay, I need to figure out here, how can I get along with this person? Whether it's somebody that you're married to, whether you live with them, whether you work with them, whether you're in a, in, you know, a show with them, whatever it is, how, how do I get along with this different point of view? And the first thing that the Jewish teacher says is you close your eyes and you envision that other person and try to be in their value system. Now, I read that, and as I'm thinking about it, and it's like, okay, that, that sounds kind of woo-woo to me. And then God brought to my memory, you know, don't judge me until you've walked in my shoes. That's kind of our current environment vernacular for how to figure out how to be with somebody. So let's just pretend that Deb and I have a difference of agreement on something. And again, my flesh wants to tell her how wrong she is. But the spirit, God is one, he's one with me, means that I have to do it a different way. So I have to figure out, okay, what is her value system? How did she come to that? What do I need to know about Deb in order to understand her value system? And especially in today's society, it's like if I don't agree with somebody, then this whole you know, hate thing comes out, which is not true at all. All it means is that I'm going to listen to Deb and say, ah, okay, okay. We'll make it real simple. I don't have cat. I don't think Deb has a cat. But we'll assume that I have a cat that I feed it a certain um, wet cat food. And Deborah's telling me that, no, it needs to be dry. And I'm making this real simple so we can all identify with it. It needs to be dry. And I'm thinking, no, 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 it needs to be wet. Now, I could argue that wet, dry. But if I close my eyes, and I think my experience is I've had three cats in my life. I fed all three of them wet cat food, and they lived. I wonder what's going on with Deb. And so I will listen to Deb's story. I'm going to ask a question. Why why do you prefer dry cat food? And then Deb's going to tell me that she had a cat that she only fed wet food to, and he got sick and he died. Now, that makes more sense, doesn't it? I don't have to argue with Deb. I can just say, I'm so sorry you lost your kitty. Yeah, that's a hard thing. Which dry food do you use? And forget my value system and step into her world in order to pull her in. Because most of our conversations when we're trying to tell somebody about the Lord has nothing to do with you're going to burn in hell if you don't accept Jesus. It has to do with having a conversation with them. And if we start off responding in the natural right away about, no, 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 you need to have wet cat food, then we've lost the opportunity to be one with God. If we really look at the stories of Jesus when he was here on earth... He asked questions, and he never pointed out the obvious for anyone, whether it was the woman caught in the very act of adultery, 
or whether it was the multi-marriage gal that was at the well <laughs> getting the water, he never pointed out what was wrong. He pointed out in questions in order to open them up. To think back on how we started this lesson, that the Shema is supposed to talk about us being one with God as well as God being one God. Because the words actually are, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. Yeah, our God, he is one. So our God, he is one, is going to kind of be wrapped together. And what God's trying to say to us is that we need to pay attention and you need to walk in my power and my strength because just you making a decision to be a nice person, you can probably pull that off for about two and a half days and then the seen world is going to get to you. And if the seen world doesn't do it, then Satan's going to make darn sure somebody's going to pull in front of you or do something really stupid in order to aggravate you. So my challenge to everybody is to say, okay, when you say the Shema in the morning or in the evening, and no guilt if you don't say it every single day. It's not a guilt thing. It's just a matter of saying, okay, what is God's plan? And how is he going to support me in being his marketing person? Because I have to tell you, I would have chosen a whole different plan if I were going to market the plan of salvation to human beings. But he had his son that came down, the Godhead, Jesus the Son. He had 12 guys. Not all of them were so good. He had a bunch of people that followed him that were kind of fleshly themselves. I would have done a different marketing plan. But it is the one that God chose, and we are here in the last days. And so we need to understand, okay, how can I hear God every day for everything I need to hear him? When might be the time when God knows something is coming that we have no idea of, and he's going to put in your spirit to do something? And you might think, well, that makes no sense whatsoever, and try to get rid of it. But we've got to be in that one spot so that we know God, we know his word, we know his voice, and we can respond to whatever it is he's telling us to do. Now, this weekend, actually it happened uh, first part of the week, uh, Spectrum had a power outage that started in California, and it rolled all the way across the United States. And it finally ended up in Texas uh, Wednesday night. And so Thursday morning when we came to work, we had no internet. I had no remembrance of how many things circulate around the internet. I have a remembrance now. Our phones didn't work. None of our emails worked. Everything that uh, we could do offline, we could do, but nothing that we normally do online. I had forgotten that our phones are hooked up to an internet. It's a much less expensive way to do business. However, when your internet goes down, you're kind of sunk. So there were a lot of things that just didn't work. And so I closed the office and told people to go home and work from home because they could use their internet at home as long as they weren't on spectrum. And interesting, it came through our area and went to Flower Mound, which is where Pastor Larry lives. I thought, that's an interesting, yeah, I know. Well, then Spectrum worked really, really hard, and we had a crew who was checking in on a regular basis, and they, boom, they got back up again. However, when they turned our system on, they being here in the building, it blew our modem. For those of you that don't understand modems, just trust me, that's kind of the mother load of how everything works. And so we had to wait to get an appointment from Spectrum to bring out another modem. Now, our offices are closed on Friday and Saturday. So that meant that there was a crew that had to respond and be here and had to continue checking. So um, 
thank you, thank you, thank you to the ones that came. They got everything hooked up. But, you know, it's not as easy as just turning on a switch. You see, our Internet kind of operates in a visual area. And so you turn on a switch and you think everything is working. But if there's a cord that connects one machine to another that somehow got frayed in the process of that internet being off and on and the modem blowing, then things don't work. So it wasn't just a matter of being here when the modem was installed and then checking to make sure that everything came back awake again. You had to go through every single system that we use and make sure that there was no problem with any of the connectors that go through it. That's what God's wanting to do to us. He's wanting to check our connecting cords. (laughs) He's telling us, I've given you a new modem. I have downloaded everything that you possibly need for this season of life. But more than anything, it's not going to work unless you check all of those cords, unless you make sure that every piece is going to operate. Now, again, you're saved. Our dear sister here, she came and she accepted the Lord as her Savior. She's saved. She's on her way to heaven. So her connecting cords have nothing to do with her salvation because, as we know, salvation is a free gift. We get it because of the completed work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. So it's free. But if we want to get heaven down here on earth in our lives, if we really want to live in the land of Goshen, where things are going on around us but it doesn't touch us, then we need to learn how to really make that Shema alive and well and operating in our lives. I don't know what cord you might need to unplug or fix or check and make sure. <laughs> Sometimes I just go through a whole list of, okay, now I've forgiven that person. I've forgiven that situation. I go through the whole thing over again just to make sure that there's nothing that's going to compromise anything that I'm trying to do. I, I do that probably once a quarter just to kind of make sure. I check in with how I'm out interacting with Don. It's like, okay, I yelled at him. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Did he deserve it? Yeah, but, he, but that has nothing to do with it. My yelling is the inappropriate part, and I'm accountable for my yelling. I'm not accountable for what he does. You know, I do all that to figure out, okay, how do I clean up my act? How do I make sure that everything that I'm doing is going to leave an open road for me to hear the Holy Spirit? I'm not sure I would have been as fierce on this if I hadn't gone through that Sunday when I came in and, and had nothing to teach because God always gives me something to share, always I mean, even in business, he always gave me something. And then that, that Sunday, I, I think I called the Sunday morning and said, you know, okay, go to Torah. I'm not going to teach. And that was so devastating to me to think, why? Why? And it turns out it was just because I had not prayed about who I was assigning a class to. I just filled in a form, and God was reminding me that was no longer okay for me. It used to be okay 10 years ago, but it's not okay today. I need to pray and see who he wants to teach the class because he gives messages to different people, so he wants to have them in the end here teaching at a specific time. Well, what we believe here in New Beginnings is different than a lot of churches. We have a different structural um, in our organization. Um, We have a different way of reading the Bible. Uh, We are what I would call a, a full gospel church because we believe in miracles and signs and wonders. We do have a board. But um, we're not affiliated with a denomination. 
Pastor Larry is the head of the church, <laughs> under Jesus, of course, but this is his church, his name, and um, we're not for everybody. There are a lot of people that come here, they love us, they love the teaching, but then when it comes right down to it, it just, it just doesn't feel comfortable for them. So they come and they go, they come and they go. And as I've said many times, growing up in a Baptist church where you were born into the church and you died in the church, it seemed really hard when Don and I got to New Beginnings to watch people come and go. But this season of my life, as I look back, I realize all the people that came, learned, and took the message to another church. So it has nothing to do with them not belonging here. It has to do with they have a different assignment. So God calls them here to learn something and then releases them to go out and teach what they have learned. So I no longer look at the numbers in the sanctuary. I look at the number of people who have been graduated into other ministries and are doing great things for the Lord. Well, the statement of faith, it says, we believe in the Bible in its entirety. It's in the inspired word of God and is true. That's pretty easy for most churches to, to believe in. We believe in one God as creator of all heaven and earth, who was revealed, has revealed himself in the scripture. God did reveal himself in the scripture. Praise God. Um, let me just go around. Which, which Bible are, you, are all of you currently reading? You said you had the NIV, right? How about you, Tracy? What do you have? New Living? Okay. Don? Anyone I want because he's got it on his phone. Okay. What's your favorite? King James. Okay. Laura? Okay. Mitch? Okay. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> okay. What? The Hebrew Bible. Yeah, he doesn't read Hebrew language. He's just talking about the Hebrew Bible. Which, which translation do you read? I'm sorry? King James Frozen. King James version. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Excuse me. Okay. So three King James. Has anybody uh, started reading the Passion Bible yet? Okay. I was gifted that when I was in a a conference in Portland. I I know you've got Isaiah. Um, Instead of interpreting the Bible through uh, Greek, it goes back to original Hebrew. And it doesn't change much, but it does change some things. And all they have so far is the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs and Song of Solomon. And then they just came out with Isaiah. And I was gifted that book. Pardon me? Your book is Deuteronomy? I thought it was Isaiah. Okay, Deuteronomy. Okay, you're saying this King James is the only Bible that what? Oh, mentions the unicorn. Is that something you're attracted to? Okay. <laughs> Actually, in Hebrew, it's mentioned as well. I discovered that the other day, but wasn't going to share it. So the unicorn is mentioned in Hebrew. Uh, anyway, to go back and, and interpret the Bible from the Hebrew to English uh, does change a few pieces. But nonetheless, the plan of salvation is very plain no matter what translation you use. It's very clear. <laughs> so God made sure of that. We believe in um, restoring the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. That as believers, we are grant, grafted into Israel 
and the revelation and the heritage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through faith in the Messiah. We believe in celebrating Shabbat and the biblical holidays and in the importance of restoring the biblical symbols of faith, including the Talit and the Mezuzah. So for people that are brand new to the church, they're going to go, Talit, what the heck is that? Uh, that's a prayer shawl, and that's what Jesus was wearing in the New Testament. When the woman with the issue of blood says, if I can just touch his garment, if you're reading King James, it's really his prayer shawl. She's looking at the, the, the fringe is kind of what we would call it, but they represent um, the, the promises and the, the Torah. And so she believed that she could touch that. So we believe in that. Um, we also, the Steadca box that you were talking you know, about before the class started. Steadca is a charity. And um, most of us remember the story of the, the widow who put in the mite. And Jesus said she gave you know, more than all. And again, a good Baptist girl. I'm assuming that he's having some kind of a major uh, fundraiser. You know, people coming forward and dropping it in the box. Because there he is standing right by the box. But that wasn't the tithe. That was the charity box. And no matter how poor you are, everyone is required to give charity. That's what Steadca means. And giving charity can be financial or it can be acts of kindness. But you physically put something in that represents the time that you have done something and you've been paid for it or something that you have sold, you put it in. And if you have nothing and you can't bring food to somebody, maybe you can have another act of kindness. And when you do that, you're dedicating it to the Lord. Yvonne has the scripture about all that you do, do unto the Lord uh, above her desk. Because she said, you know, working with people, eh, maybe sometimes I don't feel like it. But everything that I do, I do unto the Lord. And that's kind of what Jesus was trying to say to us with the Steadcar box. Yes, she gave all the money that she had. That's great. But even more than that, she was giving in order to help somebody else. Her heart was saying, I have enough today. Let me give what little I have left so that someone else can be blessed. That's truly pouring yourself out. It, it took faith, yes, but it took obedience. A lot of us have faith, but our obedience is kind of in uh, first gear. We need to kind of shift up to where we can pull together. Faith does not mean not doing something because we have faith that God's going to fix it. Faith does not mean not saying something to someone because we have faith that God will take care of it anyway. Faith is not behaving in such a way because we know we have grace and God will forgive me. Faith is being able to say, I can't do this on my own. I can't even live this life that you want me to live on my own. And so I'm believing that you're going to infuse me with your power, that God one thing, <laughs> and enable me to do the things that you want done in earth at this time in history. It takes faith, but faith, what does it say? Without actions is dead. Yep. And actions without faith is hollow. <laughs> Has nothing to do with salvation. Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with salvation. You're saved by grace. Absolutely. Salvation is a whole separate issue. God made sure that we were going to mess that up. We don't have to do anything. All we have to do is say, I give you my life. I can't do this. I don't want to do it. I'm tired of carrying this weight. Forgive me. Come into my life and you take over. And then, oh, 
He cleans us. He straightens up our hair, our walk, everything about us and says, okay, now you're mine and we're going to go together and there's going to be success in your life. However, the rest of the faith, it doesn't mean that I can buy cookies and chocolate and soda pop and then pray that God's going to heal me (laughs) because cookies and chocolate Soda pop will not fuel my body with what it needs in order to heal itself. God designed me to have a body that heals itself. So I need to have faith in that, but I also need to have actions to take care of my body. Amen? Well, I've got, um, Pastor Wanderson is preaching today, by the way, so this will be a fun service. So I've got to go get the um, service agenda to him. So let me pray and close out. But just do me a favor. This week, just think about what connectors do I have that I need to recheck? What pieces do I need to rededicate to the Lord so that his power is going to go through me? What do I need to do this week that's going to show God how much I love him and how much I depend on him and how much I'm thankful for his grace? Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have brought everyone here this morning and for those that are listening in later on. Lord, we understand that there's so many confusing things around us, but you're not the author of confusion. Anytime that we have any doubts, anytime that we feel like, I don't know what to do, all we have to do is ask you for wisdom. Your word promises that to us. Thank you that you are continuing to retune us and refine us to make us a better version of ourselves, the exact version that you desire for us to be and that you need us to be in the world at this time. Thank you for protecting us. Cover us all with the blood of Jesus. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Let it reside in us, and let us walk in love and grace so that the others around us will see that there's a confidence, there's a, there's a knowing, there's a peace inside of us that's so different from the world. Thank you for this lesson, Heavenly Father, and all the people. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.